you wonderful Whitbury Newtowners. Once again, welcome to the British Empire podcast, the podcast where we take a deep dive into the world of Gordon Brittus, the well-meaning disaster pro manager of Whitbury Newtown Leisure Centre. We dissect and discuss every single episode of this hit 90s sitcom in spoilerific detail. The best way to enjoy the podcast, as always, is to watch the episode we're discussing first. As always, I'm your host, Chris Nichols, and with me... J.D. Collins. It's been snowing in Sheffield today, so we're recording on the 8th of February, 2024, listeners. So if you're listening in the future, hello. If you're listening internationally, or if you're listening right now, hello as well. Yeah, it's been snowing very badly. Uh, when, when I woke up, it was, you know, fairly heavy. And then by about lunchtime, early afternoon, it was like really the inches of snow was unbelievable. So yeah, no, it's yeah. been very, very, basically snowed in, which is always cozy, to be honest. I like being snowed in. It's slushy, your feet and toes get wet and cold. You slip over, you drop your shopping, you know, it's just, and the, the worst thing for me is like driving because I'm just scared of driving in snow because it just scares me. I just, there's nothing worse than putting your foot on the brake and then skidding down a hill or something. I, I ordered a, I ordered a McDonald's delivery because I didn't want to go out and get food. And it took them like two hours to deliver it. And it came, the Coke was flat. The chips were cold and you know, my McSpicy was still pretty tasty, but yeah, not, not a big fan of McDelivery, but I was desperate. So there you go. <laughs> it's a good job eating uh, McFlurry. It may have melted or it may have in the sun, in this weather relatively cool or froze <laughs> probably yeah well to be fair i think the snow was warmer than my mcdonald's to be honest but there we go not to worry as well i've actually watched a, a show on a podcast funnily enough that was actually about a podcast which is called uh, based on a true story have you heard about that john i have indeed yes uh, is it any good it's it's pretty good yeah there's a few there's a couple of plot holes to be honest but it's 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 like watching it's easy watching really it's basically for any of you listeners that don't know it's on now tv if you've got a now tv subscription and it's basically a couple who find out their plumber is a serial killer and then they rather than turning him in they give him the option they're either going to turn him in unless he agrees to do a podcast with them a serial killer podcast so they end up being co-hosts on a podcast I like that. There's another one um, on Disney. There's one on Disney Plus called Only Murders in the Building. Oh, right, yeah. Which is a very similar premise about true crime fans who want to create their own podcast. So it just seems to be a bit of a, a, a genre at the moment, which I like. It reminded me a bit of you. I don't know if you've seen you. Yes. Not, not, it didn't remind me of you personally, John, but actually you, the programme. But do you know what's really funny? Um, there was a, a video that went around on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, which was, I'm going to have to send it to you. Um, anyone who likes the TV show You, which is about a guy who in the beginning, falls in love with a woman and stalks her. I think that's all I can say without spoiling it. But it's a very, very gripping show. And Fox News did a segment on Woke TV. Now, I don't know what they were talking about in regards to the TV show You. There was a male host and a female host, and the male host was saying, and I watched uh, You, um, and he was about to go to something, and then the, the American, the female Fox News host went, what? Uh, what? What are you talking about? Because I think he was talking about some plot in You, and she I never did a TV show on that. No, you, the TV show on Netflix. What? There's a show called My Name? It was just, you know, you just oh think, my oh my God. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me with Fox News, but yeah, it's 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 quite a confusing title to you, isn't it? When you're trying to explain it to somebody, it's like, it must be it must be a thing for the writers, though, to, to call a programme you about a stalker. Because they know people are going to talk about it. They're going to be like, I'm watching you, all that kind of stuff. So, so I'm sure they do it on purpose, but that's on, uh, on Netflix, everybody, yes. if you've not seen it. And then... Uh, Based on a true story, that's the um, the serial killer podcast that I, that I was dis ex um, explaining. So, based on a true story, it's called, and that's on Now TV. I am. Um, I also one thing we didn't mention as well that's very nineties esque as well. John is Gladiators came back, didn't it as well? It did indeed. Yes, is it on its third fourth week now on Saturday nights? 
Yeah, I'll be honest, I've not watched the new series. I, I remember bits of the old series with Wolf and, you know, them hitting each other with massive poles and running up escalator things. But were you ever a big Gladiators fan? Have you watched this new series as well? I have to say, and I'm, I like my retro TV and, and stuff, and I do have quite vivid memories of certain shows when I was very small, just like bits of flashes like a British Empire. Gladiator, I kind of remember sort of the name and maybe my brother was a fan and had some merchandise, but I don't remember watching it or being aware enough yeah. age to be aware of it. I haven't watched the new series. Um, it's not my cup of tea, to be honest. I don't really like reality. I don't know if it falls into the reality TV or game show genre, but it's not my thing, really. Um, yeah, but but everyone who say who's who's watching it say it's really good. So it seems to be a revival that has worked, which is great to hear. Yeah, that's good. There's a lot of revivals, isn't there? Really, because they brought back Wheel of Fortune deal and O deal. We're in this kind of time where everything keeps getting brought back. So you never know, listeners. British Empire might might be brought back. If we keep celebrating the show, keep keep the numbers up on BritBox. You never know. Um, I watched um, this um, program called Hypernormalization as well on iPlayer, BBC mm -hmm. iPlayer, and that was not really sitcommy, but it was about kind of how politicians and it's kind of, it's really hard to explain really. I think it was narrated by, I'm sure it was Jeffrey Palmer from As Time Goes By. Because oh, yeah. I recognised that voice. And I just thought, yes, it's Jeffrey Palmer narrating. But it's basically how, yeah, there's like a, a hidden agenda and we're very much controlled by politicians and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's really interesting, actually. It's a, back to our documentary. At first I started and I thought, oh, I'm not sure about this. But then after a while I thought, Do you know what, this is quite eye-opening. But yeah, it's worth having a look at. In terms of comedy, I don't know if you're an Alan Partridge fan, John. Um, used to be. Steve Coogan's coming back. He's returning for another Alan Partridge-based yes. kind of sitcom late this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, um, I heard about that. <laughs> there was also um, an ITVX new sitcom called, I think, I don't know how you pronounce this, G-Wed. Have you, have you heard of that, G-Wed? No, I haven't, actually. It's it's set in Liverpool, I think. And it's I think it from what I've seen for trailers, it's a bit like a an in-betweeners, scouse in-betweeners sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, it looks terrible. I've not seen it yet, but um, I'll, I'll probably try and watch the first episode on ITVX. I'm going to put it down on my list. Uh, G-Wed. Um, and hypernormalization as well. Yeah, um, incre incredible hypernormalization, really. Eye-opening it was. It was just, yeah, it changes the way you view the world, really. It's it's hard to put into words, but it's it's a really interesting sort of surreal documentary on iPlayer. And also, Ian Lavender died, didn't he, from Dad's Army? He didn't. Yes, I was very sad to hear that. He's the. I think he was the last surviving. He was the last surviving Dad's Army cast member, which is very sad. I've not really, to be honest, seen much of Dad's Army. I need to perhaps give it a go. To be honest, because I reckon it's something I'd like. Cause I like sitcoms and I like World War Two stuff. So yeah, I've got to be honest. Good Night Sweetheart's my favourite World War Two sitcom. I love Good Night Sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned it a few times on this podcast, haven't we? It's so good, so good. Yeah, I need to um, give a shout out to, to something I, I watched this week. Um, and, and it's American comedy, um, but it's a Saturday Night Live. Have you heard of it? Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it kind of done in a studio and it's different comedians and stuff like that? Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a weekly ske live sketch show. Um, it's been running for like forty nine years. It'll be celebrating its fiftieth anniversary next year, and it's one of those shows where it always reflects the time, the culture, the politics, and it, they they do all kinds of sketches. They have a celebrity host each week. So it's um, usually starts off with a monologue where 
the, the host will make a, it's a bit of a mini stand-up routine about themselves and about them hosting the show and then they'll do sketches and as I say sometimes they'll be political sometimes they'll be about something that's in the news or sometimes there's just something very random just like completely random um and it yeah it's it's run, I say, for so many years, it's really part of American culture. It's just very hit and miss, but when it's funny, it's hysterical. Um, they have a regular cast each week, and, and the sketches were really funny this particular week because they did a, a, a game show where it's called Why Did You Say That? And it's a sketch where there's like these three contestants and a presenter, and the presenter reads out comments that these contestants have put underneath um, Instagram or social, any other social media posts, like really aggressive ones. And the people are saying, oh, I didn't mean this. Oh, I meant that. Wrong answer. Oh, I was only meaning wrong answer. Uh, wrong answer. I was just, I have no life. And I just felt that saying that gave me access to the outside world. Correct answer. It's just, <laughs> it re- I, there's some really surreal moments in it. I mean, the other week they had a, a sketch where, People were at a bowling alley, and you know when you when you go bowling, they have the screen with all that kind of anim- animation about you know uh, the the bowling pins moving and maybe sort of quirky animation, say if you've won or lost or how many uh, pins you've knocked over. Well, they had a sketch where there's some of the cast members were, were playing the animation. <laughs> it's oh, just right. quite bizarre and surreal. And then there's one a couple of like it was Adam Driver, like Carla Ren, do Star Wars was in posted a couple of years ago and he did a sketch where he was uh, him and another cast member in the show were petrol bottles on a diner's oh. t- table just talking to each other it's it's <laughs> just got some it's it, let's say sometimes it's really well observed contemporary sketches and then they just come up with some random stuff so the full show on now tv and those have a musical guest star as well so this week they had jennifer lopez on um for anyone who doesn't have now tv though they do uh, on YouTube, they have a channel and then they have playlists for every episode. So they take all the sketches and put them not necessarily in order, but they are as part of a play. So you could watch the whole show, just not like on telly, just as individual videos. It's really fun. I'm looking for new things to watch. It's really good now, TV, actually. There's, there's loads of good, good stuff on it. They've got a lot of Peacock uh, programs as well. I want to watch the Kevin Williamson horror comedy, which you'll probably be aware of, John, called Sick. I want to watch yeah. that. I'm watching the, last but not least, The Apprentice as well. Yes, same. I started that last week. You see it last week when they put they put sweet crumble uh, on. They, so, listeners, they were meant to put breadcrumbs on fish. They were doing like this corporate away day um, with these high-flying sort of hotel, five-star, four-star hotel runners in Scotland. They had to put on an event with games and food, and they, they make the food themselves, and they put, they, they're meant to put breadcrumbs around the fish and it was crumble, apple crumble. And they were tasting it and spitting it out because the fish was really sweet. It was just, I had my hands, head in my hands. I love it because it's so excruciating to watch, isn't it, John? It is. I, I, I find it harder to take seriously every year because you think a lot of these people, they're so, well, they're deluded. Is what, one, that's one thing to say about them. they're all deluded. But the other thing as well is, do they not watch the show every year? Do they not know? all the pitfalls do they not know what they should be doing and it does make me think there's a little bit scripted i actually read a really interesting article um the other day about by a former contestant from a couple of years ago where he talked about what it's actually like to be on the apprentice and it just sounds like prison frankly it doesn't sound remotely fun they don't oh, really? have phones they don't have phones they have a curfew they're not allowed to use the pool in the house you know that massive house they're not allowed to use the swimming pool because they don't have a lifeguard they don't have to use it no because they don't have a lifeguard there well 
most people who have pools, very rich people have pools, they, they can afford a lifeguard, but most of them don't have lifeguards. So that was a bit weird for it. It's bonkers. If they're giving it, it's a bit harsher. They're giving them a house to stay in for like eight weeks with a pool in it. They're not allowed to use the swimming pool. That's just, I mean, yeah. they are adults at the end of the day. It's a bit daft that. Yeah. And they're not allowed to have their mobile phones and they've got no access to the outside world. It's just, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I, I've always wondered as well, because obviously it's not live, is it? So the winner's already been announced. They must keep it really secret or not be allowed to release the Alan Sugar money until after it's been broadcast or something, because otherwise you'd Google it and find out who the winner was. So it must be top secret in terms of the way they have to contain everything. Yeah, it's like um, British Menu and uh, MasterChef. And they yeah. film those months in advance. I mean, already now you can apply to be on next year's Apprentice. And the Traces as well. It's the same. You, you can't. Uh, they, they filmed it months ago absurd isn't it absolutely absurd <laughs> speaking of absurd let's dive straight back into whitbury newtown leisure center one last time for series three thursday thursday the 11th of february 1993 at 10 at 8 30 sorry that's when it was first broadcast on bbc one and it says last in the leisure center comedy series written by richard fagan and andrew norris and starring chris barry the stuff of dreams is what it's called and helen is about to give birth and she wants everything to be just right but events don't turn out quite as she expects meanwhile colin is having a strange recurring dream and so is gordon who is preparing for the leisure center's elderly week director producer as always mike stevens so yeah it's a uh, the big finale of series three it's the second series actually which we finish with an actual childbirth isn't it john i think they go up an on another level with this one because in last year's obviously cow gave birth in sauna by a vet so this this elderly man walks in to the to the sports center and he says my name is mr didcott and i'm 72 years old and i was wondering what a place like this has something to offer for a person of my age and ability what do I require if some activity, which at the same time will give my body valuable exercise, will also bring me into contact with other people in the community and help me be more than just an isolated social service statistic? <laughs> that was very good. I thought they did a good job there. Yeah, a few bits wrong. It sounds like I'm constipated when I do that impression, so I might have to tone that down for the next time. <laughs> well, at least he, he does it like that as well, to be fair. I mean, he plays, he plays it like an old man. Oh, by the way, uh, again, people who uh, ideally, to, it's ideal to watch this before we, because it's all spoiler. It's obviously Mr. Britters. Like, it's so, I mean, the makeup is good, but it's obviously Mr. Britters, not just because of the voice, but it, even the bald cap just doesn't work. <laughs> it's funny because I was going to actually ask you, John, if when you first watched it, if you could tell it was Britters or not, but I take it that, that's a yes then. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I think that's meant to be the point. I mean, I was trying to work out the um, the audience response, you know, the little chuckles and the certain way tone of the of the laughs. And I think I could tell that they could work out it was him. But what what did you think when you first watched it? You know what? It's been such a long time since I've actually watched it for the very first time. I can't remember when I first saw it, so I can't remember if I actually thought it was British or not when I first saw it. I am. Um, you see, I thought the, the disguise was good, and it just it reminded me, I guess, of Spitting Image because Chris Barry's very much do used to doing different impressions and things like that, isn't he? Because I think sometimes, as well, with sitcoms, you never quite know as an audience: am I meant to know that's Gordon Brittis, or is it just Chris Barry playing another character? Because sometimes you have the yeah. same 
actor playing different characters and it's like are we meant to be knowing that or not so it's one of them isn't it yeah. can work on two oh, levels yeah. oh yeah i mean you could tell it was chris barry playing it. um and i think it's just you then have to think when you watch first time for me i was like oh mr british is doing is he playing an old man as a point it's like ah, i assume mr british would do in a way and then it, but then it's but i mean the reveal's funny anyway and the way they build up to the reveal is really funny, especially um, when he's listing all these things. Then Cal goes, I'm not sure we've got anything like that. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he's playing it so that he's trying to go undercover, essentially, um, yeah. to test out how elderly people are treated. He could, he could also, in very much, this could have been Britta's playing his dad. So in the episode Mums and Dads, when his dad visits the actual centre, that they could have quite have easily done this to be Gordon Britta's dad because it, it looks like him because it is Chris Barry. But I think what they did with his dad was much more clever, much more understated. And same with Horatio. It could have been very easy for them to do a sort of Centrinians kind of thing where they have the screens of, of him playing a twin, like an identical twin. But actually, I think having a different actor play Horatio was a good idea. I'll tell you what was surprising watching this. I suppose you probably thought the same, John, how we're meant to believe that 72 years of age is an old person, whereas by 2024 standards, 72 is not old, is it, by any stretch of the imagination? No, not at all. And in fact, um, another character we're about to meet is played by an actor who's 70, in, who, was 70 who was 70 in real life, about 69 in real life when this was made. But the funny thing is, Mr. Dis Didcot, sorry, I had to forgot his name for a moment there. Um, he is meant to be old and this other character. Our concept of age has changed a lot over the as we get older. Now when I was younger, when I was probably about 10, I thought 70 was when you'd reached the absolute you were just ancient. That's what I thought when you yeah. when you reach that age. But then you look at someone like, I don't know, Prue Leith, who is one of the judges on Bake Off, and she's 83. And she looks amazing and, and is so active you know, doesn't act or look elderly. And yet, you know, so many people make 80 and, and they're just, they're just full of vitality and, and youthful energy, which is really inspiring. Uh, but maybe back in early 1972 was elder, was more considered elderly and, and the way Mr. Dudekot is, is portrayed. Yeah, it's interesting because I teach a lot of fitness classes as a fitness instructor as well. <laughs> and the people I teach, I teach a range of ages, young and old, but some of the people who would be deemed Mr. Dudekot's age don't look anything near as, you know, that they're doing jumps and tuck jumps and they look much healthier and more agile than Mr. Dudekot. So, I mean, really, Mr. Dudekot is like a 92-year-old by today's yeah. standards because everyone's everyone's living longer you know even 80 now like you say people are agile at their 80s now people just aren't old like they used to be and i think that that's for some reason people just seem to be look older in the olden days like in the 90s for example not just here in this 1993 episode but like if you watch when i, when I went through my phase of watching noel's house party it's like people who are meant to be 30 looks like 50 you know what i mean yeah they, you're, just, you're absolutely right there, actually. It's bizarre how people used to look much older in the day, and I, I don't know why that is, but definitely now when I see 72-year-olds, they can pass for 40-year-olds, especially some of the people you know I teach in my classes. I just think that the, the life was harder back then in lots of ways, and people did just age quicker. Life has gone progressively easier over over time, and then people, and, and also I think trends change. I mean, I think I, I agree with you when you say about when you look at... Um, people in their 30s in like 90s real life 90s 
clips, whether it's a Neil's house party or anything else, but they dress very old as well. That's the thing. It's not just in, in features, but, but dress very old. Um, just remember though, we need to be living older because the pension age is going up to 71 soon. So God knows what it's going to be like when we get to at least 50. I was going to say that with this episode, because I think they make out that the pension age is 65 or something in this. And I'm thinking, wow, if only it's because we've just found that the announcement in the UK listeners that yeah, the pension age, state pension age has got going up to 71, 72, is it? Some point. I think it's been advised that it should go. It should, in inverted commas, go up to 71. And I believe it's uh, being discussed. If you, you know, look after yourself at a young age and eat well and exercise and stuff, you, you, you know, obviously anything can happen at any age. And, but I think, it, you know, you've got more chance to be, have a healthy elderly age. I'm one of those people that, that does plenty of exercise teaching fitness classes, but I eat terribly, you know, I really do. You know, McDonald's earlier, Pizza Hut last night, I just need to really just sort my diet out. I try and eat veg, but I just think veg is just, just, it's never as nice as a chocolate bar, is it veg? So, you know what I mean? I mean, no. <laughs> but the things that taste the nicest are the ones that aren't good for us, unfortunately. I have fruit if it's, I have fruit around November time when it's a toffee apple. There we go. That, a fruit fruit once a year. So there you go. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a consider having some tart toffee. <laughs> Doesn't quite count, does it? No, sorry. Uh, but speaking of aging, you do find that with certain celebrities, some some just do not age, do they? Because I can uh, the, the the three that stick out for me, Noel Edmonds never seems to look any older. No. Anton Deck as well, no. just never no. seem to change. And Darren Darren Styles, the the DJ, um, he's always going to look the same. Yeah, although didn't he have to um, cancel some of his stuff recently? He, um, he pulled a muscle or something. In his back or something, yeah. Yeah, possibly. I was gonna say he probably looks young, but realizes he's not twenty five anymore. Just, just unzips himself when he gets in. He just collapses like a, a pile of bones. <laughs> and I like how in here he's, um, you, know, Mister Didcot's like saying, "Oh, oh, slim trim. That sounds interesting." And he's looking yeah. at a, um, a leaflet. And she goes, "Yes, that's for younger people, really. Housewives, you know." And he's like, "Are you saying I'm not welcome because I'm elderly?" Of course I'm saying that. I just thought you would want to join. Uh, you know, it's um, just uh, uh, he's, he's trying very hard at first, or Mr. Didcot, to sort of point out where there's any discrimination here. What I noticed about this bit is how our attitudes towards weight loss have completely changed because Carol says how this slim trim class is for younger people, mainly that she says it's for housewives, basically. But obviously today, looking at it through a 2024 lens, everybody is weight conscious aren't they no matter if you're a man or a woman absolutely and also you know we have got a massive obesity problem now yeah um, that's that's just exploded since then so it's kind of yeah. one of those things where you know health and eating well and, and and being a healthy weight is something that's much more a conscious thing you know Definitely. um yeah it just it just shows how things change and then a mr johnson arrives and who's a regular customer who we haven't actually seen before have we john no not at all they if they play it out like he is younger than mr didcott mr didcott is like an elderly person whereas i would say <laughs> mr johnson is 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 a typical older gentleman and then obviously he comes in his he's late for his bowls class uh due to bad traffic which is a great but our first little seed plant in St. john that our first little seed plant of bad traffic and then i love how mr didcott is sort of making a point that he was in his line first um and then mr johnson's like oh sorry you don't mind if i nip ahead of you i'm just sat meeting friends 
I'll be as fast as I can, but you must understand that being elderly, I do appreciate patience and understanding from those around me. You know, it's um, it's quite on the nose, the dialogue, isn't it? What, what Bristick did kind of say. Yeah, it's just, you, you can see here that Mr. Johnson is getting more and more agitated and wound up by this Mr. Didcock character. You know, he's he, you can see even Britus, even when he's in disguise playing somebody that isn't him, he's still managing to kind of bore Carol on reception and also infuriate Mr. Johnson, who just wants to go in front of him, just wants to get his ticket and go to bowls because he's late. Yeah, it's the real escalation, of the, the British escalation irritants of, that he just calls, makes everyone around him annoyed. I do also like the way that it's 25 pence to get into the slim trim. And that's bloody hell. Which is mental. I mean, you know, if you think about, obviously, we like to look about inflation, that must be what some, it must be somewhere about five pounds now. But some, but a class like that would now be about tenner, easily. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like I say, when I teach classes, if you, if it's pay as you go, it is about £10 a go. So, yeah, 25p is mental. That slim trim should be full at that price. Oh, 100%. That, I mean, and then I love how he says, um, oh, 25 pence, that's five shillings, isn't it? I yeah. remember when five shillings, and, you know, he's kind of playing up to the stereotype of an older person who just rattles on about the past. And just waffles on forever. Obviously, that stops when Mr. Johnson just says, I'll oh, just pay her the money, can't you? He drops his purse and money goes everywhere. And then Mr. Johnson is getting really annoyed at this point. And then they end up having a fight. They end up fighting each other. Carol's calling through to the staff room for Tim and Gavin for backup. And I just love this, the way they're kind of grabbing hold of each other, just having a little fight. And then um, it's like, don't shake me around. And then... I love Britta's response. I'll shake whatever I like. <laughs> yeah, playing the, again, playing that stereotype for the older, the older person who just doesn't care about how um, how he's coming across, just doing what he wants to do. Um, and then he steps uh, on to Mr. Johnson's glasses, or one of the glasses of his glasses. Um, and then Gavin and Tim and Colin all appear. And I do like um, when Laura appears. She's very much in command, isn't she? Um, yeah. she's just telling everyone what to do and and then i was like oh you're lucky mr Britus isn't here and i did hear the audience sort of chuckle in a way like they they knew it was mr didcock um and then i like when laura just takes over here she says all right i think we can sort this out um tim gavin would you like to take mr johnson to the cafeteria and see if he's all right colin there's some seems to be money all over the floor perhaps you could look at that and then um and then and she's like right now and you are and it's like mr Derek didcock and then she's like, well, Mr. Didcot, just the way she says it, she, she's, through it. She, she's seen through it all. Should we go up to Mr. British's office and have a talk? She opens the door for him. He kind of struggles in with his walking stick. And then she says, I, um, you know, I don't quite follow. He's like, I just wondered, Mr. British, why you told everyone you were off sick today? And then come in, covered in latex, calling yourself Mr. Derek Didcot. And he's like, how do you know it was me? Because you weren't a fan of this outfit, was you, John? You thought it was a bit obvious and not that great. The 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 the, the, the old man later. Yeah. Although yeah. I think it's very good. I think it is very good. In but I do. But you can tell it's Mr. Britus in yeah. a way. Just yeah. what what I mean is like, for example, if you've ever seen Mrs. Doubtfire, like oh, yes. love Mrs. Doubtfire. You, you can tell the way I, I think it do you know what i think would i think where it i think it falls is is if he had a wig on if he had a wig on like yeah. a full wear of hair i think i'd be more uh, deceived by it but yeah. if you have mrs doubtfire you can just about tell it's 
Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. But I do like this this costume. I could just tell it was Mr. Briggs. I do like the little belly, beer belly. It kind of gave me that kind of sketch showy vibe seeing Mr. Dicker and British dressed as him. It's a bit like a Harry Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse character, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, like Harry Enfield and Chums, the fast show. Did you ever kind of watch any of them, John, like sketch yeah. shows? Yeah, I've seen bits of, I've seen more of Harry Enfield than the fast show and I should really watch it, but I know I'd love it. But you, you don't, to be honest, you don't really see that many sketch shows these days, do you? They've kind of died a death. Yeah, it, compared to America where the, um, where the Saturday Night Live is, that where sketch comedy has never gone out of fashion, over here it really has. Uh, but Harry Enfield and Chums is on Now TV. Oh, is it? All of the episodes. Yeah, I was watching a few, a bit of it the other week, actually. Oh, I might, you know, I might watch that then. Yeah, I didn't realise it's, it's got some good stuff on there, hasn't it? But yeah, I, th- I think mainly with sketches, the trouble is it's the production budget, isn't it? Because you need a lot of money to do a sketch show. And when I was reading art, when I was doing a bit of a, I went off on a rabbit hole, as I always do, when I was preparing for this podcast. And yeah, Charlie Higson, who was in the fast show, he said, you know, the sketch shows died basically it's 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 died a death and i think it's largely because according to one of the league of gentlemen writers it's because of the budget you know because you need a lot of money for a lot of costumes and these days you know the bbc channel 4 they're all into cut back aren't they really on a lot of budgets and stuff i think channel 4 is even wanting to move all the channels online by you know the end of the decade so yeah i think it's just a case of it being too expensive to make sketch shows these days no, you're absolutely right. It really is. I mean, we say it all the time with British, but like the sets and the special effects and the ca- even the, the big cast, it just wouldn't, and multiple location shoots and stuff. I mean, w- what happens in this episode later on, just couldn't imagine a TV show putting yeah. on a, a comedy now, putting a lot of time and effort into big set pieces. It's a yeah. shame, really. Everything just feels a bit more sort of stripped back. And I like some of those sitcoms, but I also like ones which are a bit more grandiose. That's it. I think grandiose is a good word with Britus because I look at this and I just marvel at it, you know, even yeah. with other 90s sitcoms like Goodnight Sweetheart and 2.4 Children because you've got these big set designs and stuff. I mean, we, I think we touched on before how Goodnight Sweetheart must cost a bomb to make back in the day because you're having to create two worlds, one in the 90s and then one in one in the past with all the war, World War II stuff. So, yeah, the budgets back then were just, the sitcoms in the 90s looked much bigger and much more grandiose and yeah just just better in my opinion than a lot of the stuff that that gets thrown out today but uh but yeah i, I was watching them um, on that's tv as well which has been also repeating britis so i was watching a little britain again <laughs> god yeah that's going back a bit now yeah they, they have edited bits out obviously which aren't that pc um anymore but uh that's another thing I've, I've noticed as well with a lot of repeats they'll either edit stuff out or they'll put like the warning messages on before the actual programs. Because even yeah. when they repeat a goodnight sweetheart, there was a warning message on. And even with British Empire, actually, they put the, the warning message across the top there saying it reflects, you know, views of the time. But um, where, where do you where do you stand on all that, John? Like putting like a warning message across a, a TV show? And, um, and do, you think, do you think it's something they should do? Or is it a bit over the top? Or I can understand some things. Yeah. But something, then there's other times like, I don't know what British, I, for example, Mr. British Empire. Me, I, yeah. I think, I think for me, it's kind of obvious. If something's older, it's going to reflect the time. I don't think you need to say it personally. Yeah, um, I know. So I know that. I know. I, I think. I mean, they're doing it just to cover their backs. I don't know. I, 
you can't win on this argument because if you say that it's a good thing, you have people saying, "Oh, snowflake, blah blah blah." If you then say you think it's um, you think you're against it, people say, "Oh, you're a horrible person," and all that. Um, I just think watch things as in the in the mindset of when they were made, just knowing yeah. they're a bit different. Enjoy what works. So acknowledge what may not age well, and then just get on with the rest of your life and stop being over the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I suppose there's no harm in putting these warning messages on old TV shows, but sometimes I've got to admit, like when I do see them, I'm thinking, really, you know, good night, sweetheart. Britus isn't really that, there isn't really anything in Britus that I can think of that's, you know, close to the bone or controversial. It's it's quite, it's quite safe. As much as it is quite dark and surreal, it is quite yeah. safe because it's safe in its own world of absurdity, I think, Britus. And I think that's why it's kind of timeless in a way, because it doesn't really have that many dated views, apart from the one or two things like the fitness class women with the, with the slim fit class. But other than little minor details like that, really, I think it's kind of, it's in its own world of absurdity. So it, it kind of stays a bit timeless in a way. Absolutely. I mean, even just in this scene, you have him dressing up as an older man to, to explore attitudes of the ages. And he wanted to, you know, he's saying, I want to find out for myself what it was like to be old and infirm. And I can tell you it's a lot worse than I thought it was. Um, and I like Laura's response saying, well, I'm not surprised if you go around picking fights and reception. Yeah. Um, and so he's saying, you know, he says, Laura, healthy, healthy week starts on Monday. I spent the best part of a month trying to work out the special needs of an neglected selection of our society. Least I expect is, I would have thought, is some support from my staff. Now, again, it you know, that is something that we talk about a lot now. And I can't imagine that was discussed much in the 70s and 80s. There's definitely there was definitely a turning point from what I can gather from the history sort of lessons I learned from the night about, about the nineties is that there was more, there was becoming more awareness about certain groups. And certainly now the discussions about uh, people being lonely and el elderly people being lonely and, and stuff. And I know they've got um, helplines for elder people who have no one. It, it's amazing. Again, I do think Briss was ahead of his, of his time as a character to some of the things he comes out with. Some of his things, some, as we say, can be a little bit um, backwards, but some things is really quite ahead of the game and, and contemporary viewpoints. It's a bit of a contrast, isn't he? It's a bit of a conflict, Gordon Brittis, because he's got these old-fashioned values about, for example, marriage and all, all that kind of stuff. But then on the other hand, he's got a lot of green credentials and particularly with the writing with Fagan and Norris, like having a, a gay relationship in mainstream comedy in the nineties and pushing sort of this and um, helping elderly people and stuff in this episode, all those kind of themes it is along with all the mental health stuff as well with Helen, it does tackle a lot of big issues, doesn't it? British empire that was like you say, ahead of its time. Yeah, definitely. And I did, but then it's, but then it's, it's always done with a bit of humor. So yeah. Colin still hasn't worked out. Uh, you know He's first. I love it. I love Colin in this episode. He's so good, isn't he? It's the way it's the way he talks, Mister Didcot, because obviously he's taken away his hearing aid to be fixed, and he's just so he treats him like a proper old person, doesn't he? Because he's like, and there you are, Mister Didcot. He passes the hearing aid. Guess what I've got for you? But it's not working, is it? Do you know why? Because somebody forgot to put the batteries in. And then I think it's what's clever is when he turns to Laura and says, I'll be slipping home half an hour early, that's all right, Laura. And then Gort, Mr. Brittis just looks kind of shocked. Now you can tell it's Mr. Brittis then when his, he kind of is shock, Mr. Brittis signature shock face, even through all that latex makeup and the bald head. We learn about his dream here, don't we, John, as well? Not his usual dream about world peace, but how he's been having this kind of nightmare, I guess, about being at a bus stop, number 65 bus stop in the sky, and he's got this 
golden ball that's getting heavier and he heavier and heavier and he's got no one to pass it to and laura here kind of dissects that doesn't she she kind of tries to work out what that actually means this dream i like the themes of this episode this idea of what dreams mean to everybody what they how they reflect people's life circumstances and inner thoughts inner fears and the idea in this is that laura says that maybe you know what he's been thinking about old people he's suddenly made him aware of his mortality um you know he's gonna he's worried about what's gonna happen to the center when he retires you know you get 65 the bus stop and you want your ideal thing you believe in the ball of light to continue in the future and so he's basically worried that she's interpreting it as you want someone to take over and carry on his dream and he's worried there's no one who will do it tears about getting older and our legacy which is something that is universal and and timeless as well really similar to britis's crisis that he has in series two doesn't he when we find out that the children that he's actually got aren't actually his and he's worried about who's going to carry on the gene pool and stuff. You know, I sometimes worry about, you know, should I should I have children and things like that? And then I think, oh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to. They're, they're very expensive, aren't they? You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's lovely having children. I'm sure it's the best thing in the world, parents will say. But at the same time, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it looks hell and no one makes it look appealing. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Yeah, when you that's see, that's just my opinion. That's just my observation of it. But you know, people, I see, everyone, I see, everyone works, everyone lives differently. Yeah, I mean, I see parents tired and children screaming the place down in supermarkets, and and I think, gosh, that looks tiring and expensive. I just don't know. Maybe one day, but I don't know. It's it's not something that's appealing to me right now. I've got to be honest, John. Someone said uh, there's a phrase apparently. Uh, a lot of people said you only as you only ever as happy as your unhappiest child. You think, well, that doesn't sell it me at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And poor, I mean, look at, I mean, poor Helen, you know, she's, um, you know, uh, she's giving birth in two weeks, obviously having twins. Um, and I like how Carol still got Ben in the equipment cupboard. You know, yeah. ben, Ben's off in playing in the equipment cupboard today and little Thomas yeah. asleep at the moment in the drawer and just think, oh. Laura, who arrives at a reception, and this is where we find out that Helen is adamant that Laura will drive her to the hospital when she gives birth. So Helen's looking very pregnant at this stage, isn't she, John? And she mm. just doesn't want, no matter what, Britus to take her to hospital because she doesn't want to get <laughs> a baby is being delivered by a vet, like which happened to Carol in the end of series two. <laughs> yes, and then even again, we've had already one um, seed plant. It's another great one is when she says, um, I'd rather not risk it. If Gordon drives me, I'll probably end up birth, giving birth outside Marks and Spencer's and half of Whitbury looking on. And then we go to the staff room, don't we, where Tim, Gavin and Julie are. And I love, I love these scenes with Tim, Gavin and Julie and when the staff are, are talking about Britus because it kind of, it not only kind of fleshes out Britus's character, but I think you also feel a bit sorry for him in a way because when the other characters are being a bit harsh to him, it kind of redresses the balance, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And I think, and I think it also just reflects what I think is commonplace in all workplaces, which is people who get annoyed with management or other colleagues talking about them during tea breaks in canteen and staff rooms. It happens, you know, even when you're talking, you know, positively about people, it does happen. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't mind bitchiness and, and sort of talking about people's backs, but it does just happen sometimes that these worried old people aren't coming into the centre. And then she says, you know, he's got this chart in his office showing how 20 and 30 year olds, um, you know, come in. And then, um, you know, and I love how Tim's response, well, there's nobody over 70 in the trampoline club. 
And then yeah. she's like, but he wants to know why. And Gavin doesn't want Brits to go to his slim trim class <laughs> dressed as Mr. Didcot, which is understandable. And yeah. Julie advises that um, to treat him like everybody else in that class and give him a ping leotard and help him uh, firm up his bust, which again, it, it reinforces that point that, you know, going to fitness classes is, is a, it's a female thing. I mean, that, that's still probably a misconception now, to be honest, because I mean, I'm, I'm getting more men doing fitness classes, but I think anyone who doesn't go to a class might think, oh, that's for women. But really, it's, it is unisex. And particularly now, you get a lot more men doing fitness classes than you would back in the 90s. And none of them are wearing pink leotards, just to point out. You're absolutely right. There's more men who go to the gym who want to keep fit and not necessarily to build muscle, but just to be healthy. And Laurie arrives and tells them all about Brits's bus stop dream, about him carrying the light through the bus stop and not having anybody to give it to. And that's all explained. And then we reveal that Julie's got a load of questionnaires to give out to the staff. But I love how she says that Brittus didn't want... <laughs> Didn't want Julie to tell Laura, but he says uh, he, he didn't want to give you one because you, you're too old and have an attitude problem. <laughs> yeah, I think that was, I, I, I took that as being a sarcastic comment. I, I love this bit as well because, you know, when they're talking about the questionnaire and Tim and Gavin get one of these questionnaires that Brits has, has handed out or handed Julie to hand out rather. And it says, uh, they read it out. Do you want to be part of an ideal that promotes harmony and world peace? Then Tim goes, No. And this bit is just brilliant, isn't it? Because they're just going no, no to every single question. And as Laura says to Julie, he's not going to find this one easy. And then back in the office, we've got Helen and Brittus. Helen is very, very anxious about the whole birth situation because she's terrified of Brittus being the one that ends up driving her to the hospital, which is understandable. And what's yeah. look out as well, John, at this bit, when Brittus says the average working man only gets like 43 working years. And I'm thinking, not true anymore. Not, not, not in 2024. No, I mean, back then as well, like back in the three sort of 90s and stuff, most people didn't go to university. So most people did leave school at 16, right. sometimes even earlier, 15 or 14. So the idea that people are retired easily by the time they're 60. It just doesn't work happen now unless you have a really good pension or retirement deal. You are literally dreaming if you're retiring at 60 in these days, aren't you? But I, I love I love one of them. I love the line as well that the British says, I need to find someone to carry on the light, Helen. But who? Where will I find someone like me? Then she goes, I don't think you will, Gordon. Yes, uh, you know, so, but I have to, don't I? And I love how she's obviously um, just wants to get off the subject when she says that she wants Laura to drive her to the hospital. She only lives around the corner. She'll pick me up and you don't have to bother at all. Why would it be a bother, my darling? Well, it would. You're, you're busy. You've got all sorts of things. But I still think, but I want it to be Laura. There's something worrying you, isn't there? I'll tell you what's worrying me, Gordon. I want my children delivered in a hospital bed. I want doctors and nurses. I want one of those curtains that pulls round the bed. Of course you do. I don't want my babies hauled out by a vet, so I want Laura to take me to the hospital. Now, that's actually another seed plant. Third the seed plant, yeah. We count, we count the seed plants. The seed plants, what's so clever? They all, they all happen in the most bizarre way, and I just love it. Yeah, so, and, and I like how he says, if it's going to make him feel more relaxed, that's fine. And then she gives him two lots of kisses <laughs> while he's in his old man uh, makeup. Um, and I love how she says, it feels like a whole weight's been lifted from me. And then, obviously, we got the, um, Linda comes into the room and says she's filled out the forms. And then he's like, Linda, I have, pa I have something very precious to pass on to you. And I love the way he says it. She just looks really scared. Yeah, she looks terrified at this point, doesn't she? Because she's thinking it's something 
sexual, I think, at this point, when she knows that he's already impregnated Helen and Carol, she's thinking, gosh, am I next? Yes, definitely. Um, then we go back to the reception. Then Carol is trying to mend the, 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 the half-broken glasses for Mr. Johnson. Yeah, I love this line as well, because uh, it, it, Mr. Johnson says, I just can't believe it. I can't believe I hit Mr. Brittus. Then Laura says, it's not as hard as you might think. That that yeah. brilliant sort of dry delivery, as always, from Julia St. John. I, I love that. I do love that. And I love um, this explanation that Mr. Johnson gives. I mean, you said it earlier that, you know, he's showing that escalation towards Mr. Brittis. Obviously, he thinks Mr. Didcock, but it shows that even Mr. Brittis in makeup can still have the same impact on people that he's shown in previous episodes. The guy goes, I've never done anything like that in my life. I don't know why I hit him. So it's played by Arthur Wybro. Um, and he was an actor who has 93 credentials on IMDb. So he was actually okay. in health, um, health. He was in health and efficiency, uh, the Andrew Marshall sitcom center hospital. Um, How was he in that? He was. He's in one episode of that. I mean, he's in. He's been in like he's one of his ways been in like everything. You know, like, he's been in lots of things. He was in Heartbeat, The Bill, uh, Casualty, and obviously Mr. the British Empire, and then. Yeah, he's kind of he's, he's someone who's done a lot of one-off episodes um, of things, right. he's, and uh, but you know he's he's kind of very prolific. Um, so yes, yeah, so Arthur uh, Wybro, um, he was born in 1923, and he passed away in 2009. Um, sounds like he just was a very um, jobbing actor, a jobbing actor who did a lot of great work over the years. He even was in the film Spider 2002 with Ray Fiennes, and directed by David Cronenberg. So that's really cool. I've just discovered another little fact, uh, listeners and John. This is quite exciting. Yes. So the, t the title of this episode, Stuff of Dreams, was also a title of F Richard Fagan and Andrew Norris's other sitcom from the 80s, A Chance in a Million, that also had a title of an episode, The Stuff of Dreams, as well. Yeah, I love all these little Easter eggs. So Britis comes down to reception, doesn't he? Asking Laura to unlock the stationery cupboard because Linda's locked herself away. So he's terrified Linda because he wants to give her something. And then I love how Colin says, I've got your hearing aid, Mr. Didcot. Um, you know, yeah. now don't worry, you'll hear a lot better when you've got this back in. Now I've changed the batteries, but when I try this in my ear, and he's like, that's being in your ear. Yes, but it kept slide on sliding out. It's like, oh my God, that's just, oh, disgusting. I don't know if it's a design fault or my own natural oils and juices. Oh, it's just rank, isn't it? It's so funny in this, Colin. And then he says, um, I've added this and it should hold really well. And he's got this elastic and he goes, don't worry, didn't cost a penny. It's just a bit of elastic from my underpants. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and it's like, um, are you, uh, it's like, just get away from me, please, Colin. Well, we're not going to be difficult, are we, Mr. Didcot? He's like, Colin, I am not Mr. Didcot. Look, it's me. And I like how he then takes off the wig, the, 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 the bald wig and the moustache. And then, in the end, Colin just faints. What's funny is Mr. Didcot is still talking to Colin in the in the British voice. So he's still dressed as Mr. Didcot, but he's talking in his normal voice. And yeah. Colin still can't tell that it is Mr. British. It's just the pain just does not drop, does it? I think Colin is even more stupid than the people I've been watching on The Apprentice, John. And that's saying something. Yeah. yeah. Oh. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know about you, but when it comes to like Love Island or The Apprentice, like any reality show, they seem to get the most stupidest of people. And I'm thinking, how can these be brilliant business minds? You know, you put in crumble on fish. I mean, how can you be absolute idiots? But 
that's why I love it. You know, Linda looks really disheveled and, and uncomfortable. And then Laura's just explained that, you know, he wanted to talk to you about the future. Thinks you, he thinks you might be ready for a special sort of promotion. You know, he says to Linda, we need a sort of person who has a mission, a sense of purpose. You know, do you want to go places? He asks her. And she goes, yes, oh, I do, Mr. British. I want to go to Oregon with my brother. We want to start up a gun shop. It's, uh, yeah. it's interesting because obviously British wants linda to take over this role as manager when he retires simply yeah. because you know she's young and enthusiastic and stuff and now what's he going to do because linda wants to go to america he does, she doesn't want to work at this sports center all her life and he's thinking well who do i pass the dream on because i think what's interesting about gordon Brittis is it's not just about any normal person would be like if they leave the leisure center as a manager somebody else gets employed to be the manager it's just a job but as he said before it's not just a job is it this to him i think it's it's not just passing on his role as a leisure center manager it's passing on the dream and the idea it's so important to him this because it isn't just a role that people fill yeah that's the thing i mean you know we we all i think have had that experience of working in places where people sort of think of their job as being their whole life and obviously it is our whole lives you know we spend you know most of our life at work we spend more time with our work colleagues than we do with our family and friends depressing but, facts that isn't it it really, it really is but but the thing is you, you are a little bit more i think most most people are very much in the mindset well a job is a job ultimately um and if you aren't happy at one or you want to progress in a different way or try something new have the option to go obviously some people have to stay at jobs they don't like because they need to pay for their family and stuff so it's it but i think you know especially if someone like linda is very young she might have other ambitions and it was just a job she wanted the leisure center to britis it's it's a dream it's bringing people together but to everybody else that works at this Webby Leisure Centre is just a job and normal people, you, you do want to move on. You get bored of doing the same thing and you want to, you want to change, don't you? And that's uh, where Linda's at, even though she should stay there until that got past 1997. So she can't be that bored, but. <laughs> and then Colin walks in. Oh, sorry. He arrives until, yeah. <laughs> I know you don't want to know, but she's still here. Your wife, I think she's going to labour. And then it's like, all systems go. Meeting postponed. Looks, yeah, means postponed. Let's go. And I love how when we go outside the, the centre, he's carrying uh, Helen. He's doing very well to carry Helen. You I know, know yeah. He's pregnant with twins, quite sort of running to the car while he's carrying her. And then all the staff are following them. And, you know, there's a real jovial atmosphere. And then I love how he drives out of the car park, out of his um, parking space, stops gets out and goes out to the boot and takes out a sign and puts it on the carpet uh, his park is very saying the manager. I know yeah because he's so idle isn't it because he's put this sign out reserved for the manager but yet the parking bay already says manager on it so even that's not enough for Britus is it he has to have no. this sign that was obviously one of the first things we saw in the very first episode isn't it this that shot of the manager spot and him driving over it in his car yeah yeah I like, like that very much I uh, I also I also nerded out on his car as well, John. I had to. I I, I made note of his registration plate H fifty nine ELP. That's his registration. Yeah. Yeah. A, Vox, a Vauxhall Nova, um, registered in nineteen ninety third of August nineteen ninety. British's car, so it was three years old at this point of the episode. And to be fair, it's MOT only expired in twelfth of April two thousand eight. So someone was driving this car right up until 2008 and it clocked up 114,795 miles in total. I mean, that's a really good car. That, that, that lasted well. 
I would love to have driven Brits's car, provided I don't get flattened by a by a crusher. <laughs> well, that's funny. And and then they drive down the high street, and that, I, I this feels like the most nineties high street ever. I mean, I've seen a Woolworths. Yeah. Uh, I just it was quite amazing to see all that. I did try. I did try to work out. You know, when I was pausing it, I tried to Google because I'm a sad like this. I tried to Google some of the shops and stuff to see where it was in Ringwood because I think it, it is kind of the Ringwood High Street yeah. but there's also I think there's a street called Southampton Street or Southampton Road so I think that's where it might have been filmed because they were there were a restaurant later on when British is parked up called Chinatown and I researched and there is one there on Southampton Road so I think it is either Southampton Road or just the the Ringwood High Street that this is filmed in yeah that, yeah that's it I mean that must have been quite hard to get this filmed in the day well yeah because obviously You've got Britus there and and then, well, basically you've got Mr. Unknowing to Britus. You've got Mr. Johnson behind him. Helen's wanting in labour. Britus is driving. He's having to stop for a pedestrian crossing, all that kind of stuff. And she's like, why are you stopping? He's like, pedestrian crossing, my love. And she's getting more and more agitated because she needs to get to the hospital. And um, the next minute, Mr. Johnson, with the dodgy glasses, which are now being fixed by Carol, crashes into the back of them. And it just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? Like her hell is being unleashed. And uh, he says, someone's driven into the back of us, my darling, but you're driving me to hospital. We've been involved in a road traffic accident on our Queen's Highway, my sweet. I'm afraid the law requires us to at least exchange numbers in insurance companies. Shan't be a minute. And he gets out to Mr. Johnson, speaks to Mr. Johnson. Then um, he's trying to say, well, you know, I am... He's trying to get his details over for insurance. And then Gordon says he's going to pull up uh, just there and he wants him to follow them. And and then he as he's walking back. I like the, the hypocrisy of what Mr. Brea says to himself. You know, shouldn't let people uh, his age out on the road. In the leisure sense, he wanted to put on this elderly week to invite the elderly people in. And yet here he is saying old people shouldn't be driving. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a contrast, bit of a hypocrite there, Gordon Brutus, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And as I say, they drove and um, one of the shops you see is, is Woolworth RIP, although I believe it's coming back, which would be amazing. Oh, is it? Is it coming back Woolworths? Apparently so, which I'm very oh. excited about. I used to love Woolworths. Such a great shop. I love, so, a DV- I love a DVD and a strawberry laser. Yes. Yeah, the pick and mix are the best, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And then um, Gordon parks up and then, you know, poor Helen, she's in agony. Yeah, it's interesting because you've got people beeping, haven't you, a lot. And I always wonder if they actually are real people and stuff in the road or if it is just like actors. Because I know sometimes they use real people, don't they? I know with the keep up appearances QE2 episode, when they're stuck in the traffic jam, they do use real traffic and they've got like a sign saying filming in progress or something. And then also it's Scream, isn't it? Scream 1, John, where... yes. Gail Weathers with the news reporting, they've actually got real, real people watching them film who are pretending to be members of the public. So they do just sometimes use real people as opposed to actors and extras, don't they? So I just wondered if maybe when they film this, maybe it's one for the actors if they're, if they're listening, if they did use actual Ringwood residents. Well, it looks like it's in the daytime because a lot of time daytime shots are filmed quite early, you know, to, to accommodate lack of less people around, but it looks quite a, a, a bright summer's day. Yeah. So I can imagine it probably was going to be during busy times. Um, and then behind Gordon, another car parks. It's interesting because going back to the whole Ringwood thing where it's filmed, apparently, because I did some research, read a Guardian article about this. That's quite an old Guardian article, but it said that 
it's basically for those stuck behind the wheel ringwood is is the cursed name so it's the exact spot on the a31 that always clogs up with traffic so apparently it's meant to be really congested and at the precise time when commuters and holidaymakers are off for a more exotic climate in the bournemouth so apparently it is used to get to bournemouth ringwood because it's quite close there so i'm, I'm wondering if it is actually real traffic interesting that's really cool that i love these kind of little uh in jokes insights are really cool yeah because i mean when i visited you know whitby leisure center for real ringwood health and leisure center it was because i was coming from a rave at bournemouth so that kind of makes sense because we were just leaving bournemouth and i remember seeing the signs for ringwood i'm thinking i wonder i wonder if the leisure center's around here and i googled it i thought 10 minutes i thought i said to my friend jess i've got to go to this place it's whitby leisure center i've got to go and even though we were hung over we just we've been up all night but i drove straight to so I drove, I remember driving down the same road as Gordon did in the very first episode. Yeah. I just, I loved every minute of it and touching the building was just, and the green pillars are still there as well. They're still up. Those, those famous green pillars that hold the building up, they're still there covered in moss now, but still a functioning leisure center. So there we go. That's amazing. I think that's so cool. Right, I want, I want your name, address, license, phone numbers. And then he hands over the paper and pen. He goes, there's a bit of paper, there's a pen, there's your right hand. Now start writing. Now he's quite again he's a bit condescending towards mr johnson there he's talking to him like a, a sort of dithering old man isn't he? he's again contradicting what he said before yeah very contradictory because you know before he's like all about let's promote old people let's welcome them into the center and now yeah he's been a bit condescending and i just love how british despite this emergency still has to take names and numbers for the insurance you know despite his wife being in labor but yeah. in a critical condition he just won't let it go he still has to be this manager this person who's following rules to the actual letter and i think and helen really is like saying you know you've got to go now um and then yeah, she, he's, she's got yeah. a great line hasn't she <laughs> she goes because he goes how are you feeling you still think it's the real thing then <laughs> yeah he's, again he's just typical gone being clueless there um yeah and then he's asking uh, mr johnson to move the car um, and he's like, I thought you wanted me to, no, forget it. Don't do anything. Just move the car. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Johnson really annoys me. He's like, just, just go. I could just feel, I could feel myself getting anxious watching this scene. It's like, Mr. Johnson, just go. They want you to get to the hospital. Yes. You've got a car parked behind Helen and Gordon. You've yeah. got a skip parked in front. You've then yeah, got a letterbox. Yeah. You then got a letterbox parked on the passenger side. So Helen can't get out. And then you've got Mr. Johnson's car parked on the driver's side. And so Brits can't move the car and they're completely trapped in and then the keys are being dropped through the grate. So essentially they're just trapped with Helen giving labor with only a sunroof as a yeah. means to escape. And I, I love, I love as well when he drops the the keys, he says, um, Brits says, you know, let the handbrake off. Can you move the car? He says, well, the car door's locked um, and the keys are down in the grate. So you can't move the car at all. And then he says, uh, fortunately, I've got a spare set of keys at home. Where's home? Plymouth. Uh, that's a, I find that is a really good um, line, a good delivery. The best line for yeah. Mr. Johnson, I think, even though I don't like him. Helen's ringing Laura on the uh, uh, big brick mobile phone, trying to go over. He says, he's got stuck in the middle of the high street and I can't. He's like, hello, Laura. Yes, it is me. Yes, it's a bit. In the high street, yes. Won't you do that? That would be excellent. 
we see from Helen's perspective her looking up through the sunroof and the terror on her face as she just sees Gordon's head appear through through above the sunroof and he's like all right my darling I'd like to hold up your arms please and he's just going to yank her out basically and then yeah. he's turning to Mr Johnson isn't he? he goes um we each grab an armpit and drag her out I knew this was going this would happen I just wanted a hospital bed doctors nurses and yeah. she goes and you will get them my darling I promise you and then we have a, a man in a nurse costume and he's like kind of in drag saying want to help St Bardoffs and he's got like uh, balloons there um, do you want to give us some money? And he goes, do I look like as if I want to give you some money? And so behind them, they're having, there's like a parade, hospital beds with like curtains um, hanging. And then there's balloons and there's uh, a man in a wheelchair and there's a nurse. And they're basically like a bunch of student nurses on parade, aren't they? Walking down the high street. And then they've got the, the men dressed in drag and stuff trying to raise money for the hospital. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's a really funny visual though, isn't it? Because we get that shot from the... The sunroof again with Helen looking up and Britta's is like, look, look, look who I found, my darling. And the next thing, there's two heads that appear either side of Britta's. We've got two men in drag, one with pigtails and lipstick on. And it, she just looks in terror up at these people thinking, oh, God, it must be it must be hell. It must be awful just to be. I think for anybody, though, really, isn't it? It's one of them that even if you've never given birth before, it's like being trapped in something that you can't get out is a, is a fear that most of us have, whether it's like a lift or a car, it's just a terrifying experience. I'm always scared of being trapped in a coffin and waking up. Oh yeah. I think that's, that's quite a common fear of those being buried alive and stuff. Yeah. Well, in the olden days, apparently they used to bury you with like a rope that you'd, so you, you could ring the bell if you woke up. <laughs> So apparently that's that was a thing back in the day. Um, I want to be frozen standing up. That's what I want to be because I feel like that's safest and then I can come back to life. You know, there's also an option to have your head frozen, just your head with your brain. Oh, yeah. And they, and they give you a new body. Stick me in the freezer next to the fish fingers. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be you. That'd be really cool. And then I, I love that visual of Helen just getting, just finally getting out of the roof of the car. And then yeah. um, you've all these, you've about like six or five students with then taking her over to a bed and then they're putting the curtains around her. And so she's now in the middle of the street. And then it's, it's just this, it's such a surreal visual because you've got this like hospital bed with the curtains around it in the middle of the high street, these kind of student nurses all dressed up and doctors wearing the usual clothes, going in and out like they're in casualty, turn around and then there's all these other people around. In many ways, of course, Laura, it's an ideal place to have a baby. I mean, everything's a hand, isn't it? Well, towels and sheets from Marks and Spencers. So obviously it's outside Marks and Spencers that she's given birth. Hot water from the pub, drugs and stuff from Boots. The weather helps, of course. Even the manager of Smith's came out with a book of family medicine. Every Everyone has been so supportive. And look at all these presents and so many people waiting to visit. He's treating it as if she's in like a real hospital world when they've got yeah. this like charity bed that's been pulled along in this parade that she's now in. Treating it as if it's like she's in an actual hospital ward. Everything that we thought would happen, that she feared to happen, having it in the high street in front of Marks and Spencer's, but she wanted a, a nurse with, you know, doctors and a bed and curtains. She got what she wanted also in the same setting of what she feared it's just the weirdest combination but it just it just works it's so perfect this whole thing having a, a baby in the high street with it. it's just wonderful I, I i can't praise this idea enough it's just genius it is a series series three where they kind of up everything from the last series don't they because we exactly. had the birth with the cow and everything which was more 
it was surreal, but a bit more understated, whereas this is much more an ambitious plot, isn't it? And, I, and I'm thinking, seeing all these people hanging around in the high street watching, I'm, I'm convinced they're real people as well. Yeah, I think so. They're, 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 you know, it's, it just works really well. It's like, poor Helen, she's not got any privacy. Um, and the, the nurse says, you know, two boys, mother and children doing fine. And, every, and then everyone claps, even the the, the, the punters are clapping. Quite a lot of pregnancies in British Empire as well, isn't it? Because you've got Carol's at the end of series two, yeah. Helen's at the end of series three, and then you've got Julie's at the beginning of series seven. Gorn's like, that's it, Laura. Children, children, Laura, that's it. And then we see his dream. He goes into the sky, it's a bus stop. Uh, with all the staff, uh, you know, like it's it's quite a surreal visual, isn't it? Really, they're all in like white and. Spoiler alert, people! If you haven't seen series five, but I'm sure you probably have, and the the, the episode, last episode in series five, the the dream sequence, the the death, the afterlife bit, that's very similar, isn't it? It is. It really is. I thought exactly the same, actually, uh, which is really quite funny to to do something similar, but it's obviously indifferent. It just makes me laugh because obviously he says 65 bus stop as if looking at this 65 bus stop and carrying this this ball of light as if 65 is the, is the end the end of your life sort of thing when it's yes today is when your life just starts <laughs> yeah exactly there's Helen appears with two uh, twins um, and then he had and they're both holding a basket between them and then he puts the ball light um, ball of light into it and he goes I've, it's all right I found someone. And then he walks off and they walk off into the sunshine and disappear. It's a really, it's just a beautiful visual to end on, isn't it? You know, yeah. I miss these kind of production values of sitcoms because it's okay having your understated shows, but you want something more grandiose sometimes, don't you? Oh, definitely. And that will just thank God we've got this show too. And there are pieces yeah. of, of, of this to enjoy. That ends series three, Chris, can you believe it? I know. And I suppose that the way I used to think of this is, they don't always know they're going to be, and they don't always know they're going to get recommissioned, do they, for another series? No. no. So, so I kind of think when I look at the finale of series two and series one, you know, series one, series two, series three, series four, there's always like a big finale episode in British Empire. It's not just like another episode. Some no. sitcoms might have a, a final episode. And it's just just an episode. Whereas I think with British, they always build up to a big finale, whether it's an explosion or a big pregnancy or a big reveal. And I think with that it's a great way to write a show because if your show gets cancelled and never gets renewed at least you've still got a kind of ending that's satisfying yeah yeah exactly i think you just, you just have to always be aware of it don't you really um and i think they do it very well because there's so many shows that you know don't get renewed for series i remember watching a, a great thriller called the society on netflix and it was really yes. good have you seen that i know which one it is but i've never seen it yeah, and, it, and, I, and I thought, I can't wait for series two. It's one of them. It's a cliffhanger, and you can't wait to see what happens. It had a very much of a lost vibe. And then series two never came. COVID happened, and they cancelled it. And you're just thinking, you never know what happens. And Man in the High Castle. Man in the High Castle was another one on um, Amazon Prime. That's another great show, which is like an yeah. alternate history where the Germans and the Japanese won World War Two, And it's, it's a brilliant show. And it's... Yeah, that's another one where they kind of rushed the ending because it, it got cancelled, but they still kind of got an ending. But like I say, with this, it, it's good with Series 3. Had it have ended here, it's still a nice ending because you've got this idea of the dream being carried on into the future. So if they never had Series 4 or 5, you could still think, well, this is still a good ending. It's, it's yeah, as we said, Series 3 is pretty solid. How, how do you think it compares, John, to Series 1 or 2 if you're kind of putting it against them two first series? Um... I don't know if I necessarily think it gets 
better in some ways in the sense I think it's pretty consistently high quality. I think that they ups the ante with the stories. I think it just feels more solid. Yeah, I think I think for me, series one, the characters the characters are a bit more two dimensional. Like they're a good yeah. starting point. Like with Britus, he's just an annoying manager in series one. Yes. Whereas by series three with this episode in particular, you've got somebody with ambition and with dreams. And I think with Helen as well, she's very much a housewife in series one mm. about rolling her eyes at her husband, annoying husband. Whereas by series three, she's something, somebody who's much more complicated as a character. And even, and even Laura, you know, when you, when you see the hints of her feelings awesome. towards Gordon, it's not just the, the straight, the straight laced assistant manager. She's somebody who's got, you know, a complicated past with a husband and things like that. So I think series one is good. Series two is good. I think series three builds on those two series and fleshes out the characters more. Yeah. And I think the episodes are just, they're just, they're just so tightly plotted. I mean, they are from pretty much the beginning, but there is just something about the way that they balance the range of episodes here. It's not all wacky. Some episodes are a bit more about character, like last week's episode. And it always feels like it is British Empire. You know, it, it, has, it has such, it has so many different layers to it. So underrated, isn't it? I mean, completely, it, yeah. It's like what you said earlier. I, I didn't think of it like that. The way you've got the the high street, the way the Helen's got what she wants, but also it's a worst nightmare at the same time. The way they've combined the two together—that's just really clever writing. And when you do analyze it, you, you notice these things, and it's just so well written, so well acted. And hats off to the directors, producers actors, writers, everybody, because it is criminally underrated and underappreciated, this show, and it deserves a lot more recognition. And I think one thing I've not said, and, and I just a thought that's just coming to my mind now, is when you compare it to a lot of modern shows that are a lot more stripped back, more, should we say, dry humour, they're not sitcoms, some of them I like, some, but they're not sitcoms I necessarily think podcasts can be made you can dissect them and, and have real fun discussions about them. Unlike Mr. Brit, the British Empire, which, you know, I always thought, well, one of the reasons I wanted to do this with you, because I just thought there's so much fun to have to talk about it. And it really is just a joy to do and, and more to come. More to come, definitely. Okay, then I think we should finish with the very last quiz of the series. What do you reckon, yes. John? Let's go for it. Okay, so yeah, five questions then. Let's see how we go. We've got question number one, and we know how it works now. What is the name of the man Brutus dresses up as at the start of the episode? So what is the name of the man Brutus dresses up as at the start of the episode? Question number two. What is the name of the man Brutus has a fight with? So who is the man? He steps in his glasses, he makes a mess of things. Who is the name of that man? Easy one, the next one. Who is pregnant? Question number three of five. Who is pregnant in this episode? Question number four. The man Brutus has a car crash with. Which city is his spare key in? So the man Brutus has a car crash with. Which city is his spare keys in? And finally, how many babies does Helen give birth to? So question five, how many babies does Helen give birth to? There are your five questions. Now, listeners, have you managed to get five out of five? That is the big question. Shall we see how they're done, John? Yeah, go ahead. What is the name of the man British dresses up as? Mr. Didcot. That's it, Mr. Didcot. And if you can guess the first name, listeners, Derek Didcot, then you get two points. I didn't think that it was Didcot. <laughs> 
Never mind. What is the name of the man Brutus has a fight with? Mr. Johnson. And who is pregnant? Helen. 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 And the man Brutus has a car crash with? Which city is his spare keys in? Plymouth. Plymouth. And how many babies does Helen give birth to? Twins. Two. Absolutely. Spot on. Five out of five, John? Well, five, uh, yeah, five out of five and a half, because there's half point for anyone who's got Derek. Yes, that's it, yeah. Yeah, you can have you can have six out of five if you've got Derek Digcott. So, uh, well done, listeners. I've, uh, I, made, I made a quiz there, not too evil, not too evil. And I was nearly going to put the registration plate question in, but I thought that's just too impossible. <laughs> oh, um, that's amazing. But yeah, I'd just like to say, you know, you can hear me and John discuss all the episodes of series one through to three, um, plus a Christmas special with me and Holly, which is worth checking out. That's really good. Talking about the best and worst Christmas specials, even though it's not Christmas, go and um, check it out. You'll enjoy it. But yeah, you'll hear us discuss and dissect all of the first three series. So look at our back catalogue for that. We'll be taking a short break now, but we'll be back very soon to discuss series four of the British Empire. And I'd just like to say from me, a big thank you as well to all our listeners, because we really are growing as a podcast, which is great to see. And the podcast has really taken off. It's, it's some really good numbers at the moment. Definitely more numbers than Whitby Leisure Centre gets. So yeah, keep liking, sharing and subscribing. Rating us five stars helps us go up the algorithm. So uh, that'd be great if you could go and do that for us. But yeah, more people discover the podcast then and thank you to all all our listeners both in the future if you're listening retrospectively if you're listening now if you're listening overseas in other countries and welcome everybody and especially to you in the uk so thank you everybody keep listening and we'll be back soon and thank you for me as well and if you want to interact with other fans of british empire you can as ever join the british empire appreciation society on facebook and follow the at british fan on twitter and instagram run by our friend louise and please try not to give birth outside marks and spencer